0: When we look at the messages from our readings this week the overarching theme is a call to return to the essence of early christianity we seem to have lost our way and to get on a better path we should do more to emulate the early church's focus on sharing the gospel message taking care of one another and inviting everyone to the lord's table but to do that We need to understand the importance of faith over certainty. We need to put our trust in the unseen and overcome our human desire to be right. Instead of arguing about the Latin Mass or the existence of limbo, we should be trying to return to the core teachings of Christianity, prioritizing love, faith, and the divinity of Jesus Christ. Welcome to The Real Word Podcast for the second Sunday of Easter, Cycle A of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. I'm Brandon Jubar, and I'll be your guide as we walk through the readings for this week. It's an important process because we believe the Scriptures are the inspired Word of God. But to really be nourished by the Word, we need to break it open and look a little deeper. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, the messages I get from these scriptures might feel right to you, but you also might find that the Holy Spirit tells you something else, and that is absolutely all right. So if you're ready, let's dive in. As I said, tonight we'll be looking at the readings for the second Sunday of Easter, Cycle A. Our first reading is from the Acts of the Apostles. It's chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Our second reading is from 1 Peter. It's chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. And our gospel reading is from John. It's chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. Just a couple things to note. First, we only have readings from the New Testament, also known as the Christian Scripture. The reason we do this is because during the rest of the year, we're looking to the resurrection. So even during Advent, when we're anticipating the coming of the Messiah, that leads to the resurrection. However, during the Easter season, we're looking forward. We're looking from the event of the resurrection and considering how it continues even today. So tonight we'll see that the people took care of each other. (gasps) Peter waxed eloquent, and Thomas said, I doubt it. Okay, let's start by going through the readings, and then we can talk about the messages we find. Our first reading is from Acts of the Apostles. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. who were being saved. Our second reading is from 1st Peter. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord! that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. All right, so let's take a first glance at these readings and ask ourselves, well, what does it mean? What messages and meanings can we find if we dig around just a little bit? So our first reading was from the book of the Acts of the Apostles. And when we look at this reading... Uh, it's important to understand that this doesn't explain everything about the lives of these early Christians. It's almost like a fond memory. It, it's like it's like telling your kids or your grandkids stories about the older generations of the family., yeah, you might tell some stories of tough times to to share a lesson, but for the most part, you talk about the good times. You talk about the good things, the fond memories. These early Christians were they were definitely suffering in a lot of ways. They had lost their Lord. They were starting to be persecuted, and, and they were still trying to figure this all out. To do that, they focused on three main things, which is what we saw in this reading tonight. First, they focused on the teachings of the apostles. This was the, the bedrock, the foundation of this newly forming faith. The apostles were their direct link to Jesus, the Messiah, their their Lord and Savior. So they paid attention. Second, they focused on taking care of the community, making sure that that all of the disciples of Christ were cared for. Uh, I, I would imagine that such a clear, tangible demonstration of the gospel message and of Jesus's teachings probably played an important part in drawing more people to the faith. As we read in the, the last line, the Lord added to their number daily those, uh, those who were being saved. People were being drawn to the church, this new church. And third, they focused on the Eucharist, on breaking bread together in memory of Jesus. Now, most of these people were Jews, so, so they still prayed together in the temple, but they also gathered in their homes began creating the rituals that we still take part in today. So the main message I got from our first reading is that we would be wise to emulate the early church. No, things weren't perfect back then. We, we know from other sources that it was a long, winding, bumpy road for the, the early Christians. But there were some truly wonderful things going on. Imagine if the church today stopped its culture wars and brought its focus back to teaching the gospel message of love and radical acceptance. They brought its focus back to ensuring that everyone was cared for and and inviting everyone into our house to, to break bread with us at the Lord's table. Imagine that. It's how this church began so we would be wise to emulate the early church. Our second reading was from 1 Peter, and I should point out that though we're used to hearing from Paul in our second reading, we'll be hearing from Peter during the next I think, six weeks. And although Peter wasn't known as a great orator, he's usually depicted as sort of a, a bit of a bumbling fisherman, uh, this reading tonight was very poetic. It was very complex, complex sentences and, and what I would call flowery language. Now, immediately after the salutation, the first long sentence reads like a poem, and it speaks of the resurrection and our inheritance that's kept safe for us in heaven. And a couple sentences later, Peter talks about rejoicing and suffering, and he does it in the same breath, as if they belong together, which is important for Christians to keep in mind. You've heard me say it before, no one ever said being a Christian would be easy, and and there's certainly no guarantee that Christians won't suffer. In fact, for Peter, rejoicing and suffering do belong together. The way he explained it, suffering leads to a purified and more genuine faith, and that leads to glory. Peter was one of Jesus' chosen apostles, and he, he had spent three years with Jesus while, while Jesus performed his public ministry. So in the last sentence of this reading, you can tell how, how deeply touched Peter was by the faith he was witnessing among these people. They had never met Jesus while he walked the earth, and, and they couldn't see him now, and, and yet they still believed They were were filled with joy because of their faith, their absolute trust in someone they couldn't see. And Peter said that it would save their souls. Peter was speaking about the earliest members of the church, but he could have been speaking directly to us. So, the main message I got from our second reading is that we don't need to see in order to believe. Faith is trusting in that which cannot be seen or proven. When we have certainty, when we are absolutely certain and believe we've proven something once and for all, well, there's no need for faith. There's certainly no room for faith. Luckily, we aren't called to be certain. We're called to have faith, to believe in the risen Lord, even though we did not witness the resurrection and and have not seen Jesus with our own eyes. So it's a good thing that we don't need to see in order to believe. And finally, our gospel reading was from John. And if you remember, in last week's gospel reading, Mary Magdalene found that the tomb was empty and there was no sign of Jesus. And When the beloved disciple entered the tomb, he saw and believed. But Peter seemed a little unsure. Mary thought someone had stolen the Lord's body, and in the end of the reading explained that they still didn't understand that Jesus must be raised from the dead to fulfill the Scriptures. Well, in this Sunday's reading, they learned the truth and started believing. Jesus came to the disciples later that night, even though they were hiding behind a locked door, and he stood in front of them. And the first words he said were, Peace be with you, which is something they'd heard him say before. Then, to prove it was really him, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. And then we read the famous scene where Jesus breathed on them, telling them to receive the Holy Spirit and then go out and forgive the sins of others. Of course, this reading is often referred to as the story of doubting Thomas, because Thomas wasn't with them the first time Jesus appeared. And he had just a a little bit of trouble believing what they were telling him. So, A week later, Jesus shows up again, says, peace be with you. And Thomas is there with him this time. So he shows immediately shows Thomas his wounds. Now, one thing I find sort of irritating is that people talk about doubting Thomas. But Thomas, he only asked for what all the others had already been given. All the others had seen Jesus' wounds, and Thomas just wanted a chance to see for himself. And something else people seem to overlook is that Thomas's reaction seemed a lot more appropriate than the reaction of the others. Now, the reading said that they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. But Thomas cried out, My Lord and my God. Think about that. Je- Jesus is called all sorts of things. He, he has all kinds of names and titles in the New Testament. Jesus of Nazareth, a rabbi, teacher. High Priest, Advocate, the Good Shepherd, Christ, Lord, Son of David, Son of Man, Son of God, the Lamb of God. Uh, There's probably more, but even though the Roman Catholic doctrine confesses that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the second person in the Trinity, he is very rarely called God in the New Testament. But in our reading today, that's exactly what Thomas calls him, my Lord and my God. We sort of zip right past that. But Thomas responded in a way that the others didn't. They all saw Jesus. They were all able to examine his wounds. But Thomas is the one who recognized Jesus as God. And of course when Jesus says because you have seen me you have believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed he was he was speaking to Thomas but he was probably saying that for the benefit of all of them because as we saw last week it didn't seem like they were 100% sure that Jesus had risen from the dead for today it's a great message too because he's describing us we have not seen and yet we believe It's not always easy, and and most of us have times of doubt, but we still believe. So the main message I got from our gospel reading is that Jesus is God. Words do matter, especially when they're repeated over and over again. When we spend so much time referring to Jesus by all of these other names, we can start thinking of him as something different something apart from God. And even though we say it in the creed every week, we need to keep reminding ourselves that Jesus is God. All right, let's sum up what we've talked about so far. In our first reading from Acts of the Apostles, the main message I came away with was, we would be wise to emulate the early church. In our second reading from 1 Peter, the main message I got was, We don't need to see in order to believe. And finally, the main message I got from our gospel reading was, Jesus is God. When we look at these three messages together, the overarching theme is a call to return to the essence of early Christianity, emphasizing love, acceptance, and care of others. We seem to have lost our way, getting bogged down in endless culture wars. To get on a better path, we should do more to emulate the early church's focus on sharing the gospel message, taking care of one another, and inviting everyone to the Lord's table. To make that a reality, we need to understand the importance of faith over certainty. We need to put our trust in the unseen and overcome our our human desire to be right all the time. We need to believe in Jesus despite not witnessing the resurrection firsthand, and we need to understand the significance of recognizing Jesus as God, avoiding any separation between Jesus and divinity. Instead of arguing about the Latin Mass or the existence of limbo, we should be trying to return to the core teachings of Christianity, prioritizing love, faith, and and the divinity of Jesus Christ. So let's step back and take a second glance at these readings overall and ask ourselves if our path has become clear. To do this, I'd like to answer two questions. So what? And now what? Okay, so what? Why should we care about any of this? Well, we should care about this, at least in part, because the social teaching of the Catholic Church is that we have a responsibility to take care of each other especially those who are marginalized or most vulnerable. Instead of urging our politicians to pass more laws that result in othering those who already feel ostracized, we should be reaching out to them and and welcoming them to the Lord's table. In our reading from Acts of the Apostles, we saw it clearly. They ensured that everyone had what they needed. And unlike the exodus of young people leaving the church today, their actions helped increase their numbers every single day. Even the gospel showed the apostles staying together for protection and support after their Lord had been brutally killed. How can we hear these readings, claim this is the inspired word of God, and then go back to driving wedges between ourselves and those who are most in need of the gospel message and the love of Jesus. How can we hear these readings and go back to blaming and shaming people who are the least of us? And the last question I try to answer is, now what? What are we supposed to do? Where do we go from here? Well, we are challenged to believe in Jesus, even though we can't put our fingers in the nail marks on his hands or put our hands into the wound on his side but we absolutely have the ability to see and get to know those who need Jesus' healing touch the most. So with that in mind, here's your real challenge for the week. Find and join an advocacy organization representing a marginalized group. Sitting around talking about what needs to be done and shaking our heads in disgust at the hateful antics done by so many self-proclaimed Christians just isn't enough. We need to get off the couch and take action. And luckily, we don't need to figure it all out on our own. Check out one of the, the many action and advocacy organizations and get involved. So uh, PFLAG.org is one that comes to mind. They're the nation's largest organization that's dedicated to supporting, educating, and advocating for LGBTQ people and their loved ones. So find a local chapter of PFLAG and go meet the real people, these children of God, these brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, so that you can see and believe that they are worthy of our love and acceptance. And then you can help advocate for them. So get out there, find and join an advocacy organization representing a marginalized group. Well, before I wrap things up, I'd like to leave you with one more quote from Scripture. As you're thinking about what we should do to reach out and help advocate for people who are marginalized, remember what Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you also should love one another. Jesus loved us so much that he died for us. I think we can at least manage to accept one another. Don't you? All right. We've come to the end of our time here together. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back again next week. But in the meantime, I really do encourage you to just use this as a starting point. Spend a little time with the Bible on your own. Read through a passage a couple of times. Think about it. Pray about it. Try to open up not only your mind, But your heart break open the word and then listen to what the holy spirit says to you the real word podcast is brought to you by the real values project real youth ministry and the real values framework real stands for respect engage accept and lead for more information on the real values please visit keepingitreal.club And finally, the Bible readings used for this podcast are from the Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 1973, 1978, 1984, and 2011, by Biblica, Inc., used by permission, all rights reserved worldwide.